Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Okay, thank you, and thank you for uh, the welcome and letting us uh, share some of what's uh, behind the Open Data Barometer. I'll get out of the way first. Uh, some quick uh, credits uh, and introductions. As I said, I'm Tim Davies. Until the end of last year, I was the Open Data Research Coordinator at the Web Foundation and spent uh, two years working on the, the two editions of the Open Data Barometer. Uh, joining me is uh, Savita Baylor, who's taken on that role uh, at the uh, Web Foundation and will be taking the barometer uh, into the future. So I'll start off and then hand over to Savita uh, in a bit. Um, uh, the project uh, is a project of the World Wide Web Foundation uh, this year. The last year's edition, we also worked on, on the, the first edition with the Open Data Institute, uh, funding from a variety of sources, particularly Canada's IDRC, uh, and support through the Web Index from uh, uh, UK Department for International Development. But most importantly, thanks must go to the, uh, I think, almost 100 different people who've been involved as researchers, reviewers, uh, helping us with graphics, visualizations, particularly Dave Tarrant here at the ODI did a lot of work on that um, to make this product happen. This is the culmination of many, many people's work, so we're just going to share a bit of that uh, with you uh, today. For anyone on the live stream or wanting to follow along the, the graphics I'm sharing, I've taken everything out of the report, which is at opendatabarometer.org, where there's interactive versions of everything I'll be speaking to. And we're going to do uh, four things in this talk. Firstly, tell you a bit of the background of the barometer, its methodology, what it does in trying to build up a snapshot picture of the state of open data around the world. Uh, secondly, we'll share some of the emerging findings from the second edition of the barometer, uh, then we'll look into country-level sort of use of this and some of the, the things that in the last month have been coming up as questions from countries who are engaging with this. And lastly, most importantly, I'll mention that this is obviously all open data itself and you can get the data, explore the data and do more with it than we've uh, started by doing. Um, so... The key thing in the Open Data Parameter is it's a multi-dimensional index, which means it's made up of three different sections. It's measuring open data readiness. What is the capacity of a country to implement successfully an open data initiative and to get benefits from that? It's measuring implementation. To what extent is a country successfully making core and important data sets available as open data? And it's measuring impact. To what extent are we seeing... Uh, outcomes happening, to what extent are we seeing data being used and creating change? Um, and it then breaks that further down into a number of different subcomponents. It says readiness is about government's readiness, it's about civil society readiness, and it's about the readiness of entrepreneurs, businesses, and others to make open data work. It says data sets that need to be published are, are coming a variety of different sorts. Not all data is the same or is equal. We have data that supports innovation. We have data that supports social policy and more participation in policy making. We have data that's really vital and important for accountability, a kind of accountability stack. Um, and then it says impacts have also varied. There can be economic impacts and benefits of open data. There are political impacts and social impacts. And we want to drill down into each of those and explore not just is there some open data available, but what open data is available? Where is a policy emphasising? Where are the strengths and weaknesses of different countries? And really, the barometer is designed as the start of a process of research, not the end. It's designed to give us the clues that let us dig deeper. Um, now, to put it together, uh, we draw on a number of sources. Firstly, we have a peer-reviewed expert survey. So all those people's names you saw recently, uh, many of them were country researchers. They uh, had a questionnaire to fill in providing source data, 
uh, looking at uh, a large number of questions which they were rating on a, a scale uh, that was then reviewed and peer-reviewed. So we try and have people who've got country expertise and open data expertise. Uh, in some countries, there are open data experts on the ground. In other countries, uh, it, it's rather harder to find uh, people to do that research, but we try and have that mix in researchers and reviewers with the expertise to give us insights into what's happening uh, in a country. Uh, and then we draw on some secondary data. We say we want to balance what we're collecting with sources from the World Economic Forum, from Freedom House, from the UN, other bodies to, to in each of these readiness components in particular, pick up existing data on what's happening in different countries. And we also uh, recognised uh, our first year we had just our, our expert survey researchers assessing data set quality, is data open, machine readable and so on. We realised that was quite a technical set of decisions to make and so this year we brought in a period of technical assessment with a small number of expert reviewers uh, working on that so we could get better intercoder reliability. Um, and we've run this study now in two years, uh, 2013 and 2014. We kept the method as consistent as possible in those two years so we could get comparable data. Again, this project being an exploration of how do you research and measure and explore open data around the world. Uh, in 2013, we had 77 countries in the sample and we went up to 86 in 2014. So what all that, that, that data collection does is it lets us see not just uh, a ranking of countries who's got the most data. It lets us drill down into that and say, where are they ready for open data? Where are the weaknesses? So this is just one example, radar chart of a country where you can see uh, government readiness maybe at a moderate level, good level of civil society engagement, uh, maybe some entrepreneurs there. We've got some accountability data sets, social data sets and innovation data sets, maybe less social impact. So we get the, this ability to build up this picture that we can dig into. Um, now, I think it's always important in research to look behind the data collection. So just to give you an example of one of the sorts of questions we ask in that expert survey, uh, most of them are structured like this. They ask a researcher to rank something from 0 to 10, and they give some benchmarks. So whilst in the... Uh, presentation of the data you'll see we scale scores so we normalize the data and we scale it so it's comparable uh, and on a 0 to 100 uh, and so 100 is the best of all the countries rather than the best you can possibly be in the underlying questions we have thresholds for the data so that uh, there is a mark that you need to reach up to to score uh, 10 and people are doing that through a, an interactive survey uh, tool that we've also open sourced that kind of has a, a lot of Google Docs running behind the scenes and a, 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 a front-end uh, web app for people to be able to put this data in. So we built all of that out in the project. Um, of course, the bit I think you're probably more interested in uh, is what were we finding from collecting all of this data. So the report um, goes through a lot of different um, aspects of the data, and I'm just going to touch on a few of them uh, with the time we have. The first thing we did this year was we said... We want to understand uh, the different groups of countries' engagement with open data. So the sample we're using here is not selected in order to pick countries with open data policies. We took the sample from the Web Index project uh, that aimed to have a broad sample of a really diverse group of countries. So it can tell us not what are countries we think are doing open data doing, but it can tell us what is the landscape like across the world. Um, and so with the 86 countries this year, we did a, a cluster analysis, hierarchical cluster analysis, to try and group them into four uh, sets, trying a range of different solutions. And we find there are, are broadly four sets of countries that have 
strong regional overlaps, but aren't just kind of the North American countries or the high-income countries. We see uh, different levels in there. So we have countries that have got high capacity to do open data. They've got political commitment, they've got economic resources, they've got entrepreneurs who are ready to engage. Um, Yet some of the countries with that resourcing maybe aren't publishing as much data. So in our high-capacity cluster, we get countries like uh, Israel, Switzerland and Belgium who, who should have the resources to do open data well uh, but maybe aren't uh, as strong on implementation right now of their open data policies publishing data sets across that set of economic accountability uh, innovation kind of data sets then we find a really interesting cluster of countries who are either at the early stages of an open data initiative they've got some of the resources they need uh, they've either got uh, strong technical capacity, small businesses, entrepreneurs there, but, but a lack of political commitment. Or maybe they've got a high level of political commitment, but the government capacity to implement this might be lower, or the availability of businesses who can pick up data and use it is lower. And that gives us our emerging and advancing uh, cluster. We were quite surprised to see uh, some European countries coming in there, sort of Spain there, uh, and the Czech Republic. Um, strong presence of Latin America in that cluster. Uh, Latin America really a space where open data is kind of rising up the agenda there's commitment, there's the, the social and civil society resources to, to do something with it um, but at that early stage of a journey in, in many cases um, uh, we also have a cluster in there which I've not got on the slide called our one-sided initiatives where we find uh, particularly uh, in the Middle East a number of initiatives who are focusing on economic data only so they're not focusing on transparency and accountability data there's low civil society capacity um, but they, they have maybe the form of an open data initiative there might be open data portals but the, the function of those as things with this broad range of benefits is not necessarily uh, clear there at the moment and then we have uh, our capacity constrained countries some of whom are launching initiatives uh, like Indonesia uh, and Ghana, but where they're, they're up against some challenges to really move forward those initiatives in terms of the, the capacity of the state to manage, collect and, and share data uh, and the availability of those reusers. Um, and particularly we notice that cluster centres on Africa uh, and uh, Savita and the team at the Web Foundation are going to be running a workshop uh, on a data revolution in Africa uh, next month uh, alongside the African Union and UNECA uh, meeting in Addis um, and particularly for us, this highlights one of these challenges. You, you, you'll probably have been uh, exposed to this uh, UN data revolution narrative, the narrative that to deliver on the next set of sustainable development goals, we're going to need uh, a data revolution, increasing people's capacity. To date, that's focused a lot on statistical agency capacity and about the potential of big data. This highlights for us there's a big, big challenge in the open data capacity of countries, the capacity to use data to create change um, in many of those countries that are, are, are kind of at the heart of that uh, process. And one of the key challenges in some of those capacity constrained countries comes down uh, to leadership and sustaining leadership. And so it's great to hear there's kind of a leaders event happening uh, here uh, today and the need to lock in progress. And I think one of the other things we look at in the barometer are other sorts of legislation that are supportive of open data. So right to information legislation, data protection legislation, as well as having open data initiatives. And it's very striking that uh, Batangi Ndemo, who was uh, uh, spearheaded the Kenyan open data initiative, uh, which has really fallen back in our rankings, uh, down, I think, 27 
uh, uh, places this year because it struggled to keep that sustained leadership. He's been writing a lot about the need to lock in progress with right to information laws, with data protection laws, the need not just to see open data as a voluntary thing that governments can choose to do and then choose not to do, but the need for us to be focusing on unlocking that in and there's a there's a risk that open data initiatives try and leapfrog the work of laying those foundations instead of working at how do we invest in those foundations and, and in all that evidence we, we then look and take those clusters and say to what extent have we got a growing uh, open data divide and I'm afraid there's no pretty graphic for this um, but when we look at those clusters and look at the change in score on is there a strong open data initiative in this country we see the high capacity emerging in advancing countries pulling ahead are one side in the initiative and capacity constrained clusters kind of falling backwards in terms of the strength of open data initiatives. So we had some good progress uh, maybe in 2012, 2013 on spreading open data globally, but it's not assured that that continues without us really focusing and investing and thinking about how we get that effectively. Um, we also look at the G7 and their uh, commitments under the, the G8, now G7 Open Data Charter to publish a wide range of data sets. And there the picture... Uh, is fairly mixed. Uh, the bold show that a data set is published, the uh, slightly lighter show that it's, it's not available. Uh, across a number of G8 countries, those commitments are maybe not being met to publish core data sets as open data open by default. And again, there's a challenge to keep the momentum up on that. And furthermore, when we look at data that is published, we find timeliness is a big, big challenge, keeping data uh, up to date so uh, what you'll see here is the red is the thing to worry about data that's published but has not been updated um, and we see things like uh, health data key statistics that let you know how your health service is performing again central to that idea of a data revolution giving citizens power to determine how policy around health education works uh, environmental statistics uh, some of the legislation uh, data all not often being kind of up to date uh, in it and published in a timely fashion. So there's again some big challenges, but there is positive news in that uh, 10% we've added countries and we're still seeing a growth in the number of data sets that meet the open definition, uh, but of the 1,290 different data sets we looked at, still only 10% are meeting that open definition. Um, when it comes to impacts, uh, we do see there is a, a growth in impact across uh, countries with the, the small exception of transparency and accountability being a bit stagnant, people perceiving. So we ask in the study uh, to what extent is there a perceived impact of open data in six different areas in each country and ask people to cite uh, media stories, studies and, and to get the highest scores we need multiple cases uh, of, of kind of high quality evidence. Um, and you'll see that the top that people can get there is 10. We're still at the starting stage there. The positive thing is when we add in uh, only those countries with a strong open data initiative, then there's a lot more impact. So there is clearly a correlation between having an in initiative going, having a strong initiative, and, and getting some of those impacts. Uh, obviously, we'd, we'd hope and expect that, but it's always reassuring to see that the data uh, is telling us that. Um, and interestingly, the data also lets us start digging into correlations between some of those contextual variables about readiness and some of the variables about impact. And one that we find and, and, and want to explore more is particularly around city-level initiatives. So there seems to be, uh, in regression models, a strong relationship or a relationship to explore more between 
uh, the presence of city-level open data initiatives and political and social impact being perceived. So uh, taking things more local to people seems to, to matter a lot. And again, there's the contrast between the high-capacity countries have often got city initiatives going. They've got things happening at a local level. Many of those uh, uh, capacity-constrained countries, developing country initiatives, stuff's happening at the national level, but it's not yet happening at the state and city level. And that might be one of the opportunities to be exploring um, more. Now, obviously, the thing people get most excited about is when you provide a table of rankings, and so that uh, is uh, what we'll come to in a moment. But as I said earlier, the rankings here are really only the start of the exploration. The key is to take these and then dig down into them and say, why are countries there? What are the areas countries uh, can improve? And I'll hand over uh, to Savita to explore some of that more. So while Tim has been talking... I'm just curious to see what are the kind of questions, just want to do a quick poll, what, that's a lot of figures and um, countries to take on board, what are the questions at the top of your head which leap out when you see something like this, when you see these rankings and so on? Yeah? What does 100 mean? Like, does that mean, for example, the UK has a scale ranking of 100, does that mean it's like 100%? Okay. Um, you know, like digging into that figure. Okay, all right. So, so I just want to do a quick poll and then we'll ha yeah. discuss more um, later, but um, this is just to preempt the common questions that I've been asked. Anything else? Any other quick questions? Mainly it's kind of what does it all mean? <laughs> what do all these figures mean? And so these are the kind of questions I've had so far in the month that I've taken on uh, um, from Tim, which are... Done. Okay. One, the main one is, is it really open? What, that's the big question. Is openness the same as transparency? And I think this particularly happened um, when the ODB was published uh, in January last month. And uh, Tim Berners-Lee, the head of the Web Foundation, did a lot of interviews, and uh, particularly with, with the BBC. And I remember reading the BBC article, and there were about over 900 comments on saying, which are saying, are you joking? Is the UK seriously open? You know, all the questions along, along those lines. So we kind of we deal with this a lot, and I think we can go into it in the discussion as well. The other question, um, so Tim mentioned that you'll be running a workshop in Africa in Addis Ababa next month in March, looking at the state of open data in Africa. But we also ran something last, uh, sorry, this month, a couple of weeks ago, in Jakarta in Indonesia for a regional Asia workshop. Um, so the questions that came up there I'm sh sharing here which were why has country X for example why has country X invested heavily but it's not achieved a better ranking so people can be quite sort of territorial when they look at rankings tables and want to see what their country is doing so that was a common question that came up um, another one is why has impact gone down for a country in the second edition even though it's been investing between the two editions of the barometer. Um, uh, uh, the second last one, what did country X do to jump so many places? So that's a kind of precursor to how can, I, how can we improve our rating, uh, particularly asked by the government officials who came to the Jakarta workshop. So I'm kind of anticipating that for the Africa session as well. So the UK, for example, you can see we're moving too far away, sorry. <laughs> um, the UK 
uh, most of you know it's number one in the open data barometer. So along the criteria that Tim was talking about, it's, it achieves, hits all the scales. Plus, there is a lot of talk in terms of impact, lots of um, articles, publicity, so on, in terms of impact, so economic impact, social impact, political impact. But as I mentioned, I think there's still debate about does open data lead to transparency? Does it mean transparency or accountability? So we definitely want to make the point that it doesn't mean that. The data is available, but it also needs a huge ecosystem to translate that to transparency and accountability. So the question on why has country X invested so much but not achieved um, a better increase in ranking, the Philippines is a key example of this. So in the uh, regional workshop in Indonesia, the Region Asia workshop, uh, there was a lot of controversy uh, on, on the part of the Philippines government that uh, so, so many data sets have been released. So why is there, why have we not achieved a better ranking? And part of this goes back to methodology in terms of the time lag and when the data sets are available. Um, but part of it is also to do with the impact. So we feel that there's always a little bit of a time lag between when the data sets are released and when impact is uh, reported or even explored. So we're hoping, in theory, that there, sh there is the impact follows, that once the data is re released, there will be uh, impact after that because organizations learn how to use the data and work with the data. So New Zealand, uh, the question was, uh, that was interesting because New Zealand is actually, I think, number four in the data, open data barometer, so doing quite well. But between 2013 and 2014, there is a, a big gap, a, a big decrease in social impact. So that, again, raised the question of why did that happen? How is it that uh, even though the impact, the, the ODB should be building on impact, this is the second year, so social impact should increase, why has it got, gone down? And that might purely be because there was a lot, there was novelty around the uh, issues of open data in the first year, and now there's less being discussed in terms of social impact in the second year. So um, in, the, in Indonesia itself, uh, this was an interesting case in terms of it jumped 16 places between 2013 and 2014. So the question was, how did that happen? And partly that was because there was a, uh, a release of data sets, so um, quite a commitment by Jokowi and, and the, the government, but also that uh, it attracted a lot of attention in the media. So there, was, uh, the, there were uh, plenty of articles written in terms of uh, economic impact, social impact, and, and so on. So I think um, the final question in terms of what can we do in terms of our own ranking, that came up quite a lot. Uh, and I think that sort of that's the message that we want to give out in terms of the barometer findings in uh, overall. Um, and again, making the point that this is not just about data, but it's about what happens after you release the data and what you can do about it. So I think Tim's going to talk about it a bit more, and then we'll discuss the future of the barometer and what you can 
do with the data? Yeah, so in the in the report we have five things that are, are there as kind of recommendations uh, of things countries can do, exploring, uh, recognising ranking acts as a powerful motivator in many cases. Um, so uh, if people are looking to increase, one, we've already talked about the need for high level and sustained political commitment uh, to that proactive disclosure of data, um, but the need for that commitment to focus on specific data sets that are needed for accountability. Uh, I think there's something more to explore in this data around uh, what points in the political cycle can you push for that. So I think post-elections might be a good time to focus on accountability data, and it does seem maybe over time countries' uh, initiatives get less willing to engage with those tough issues of accountability. So uh, either you've got to hit that early in an initiative, or you've got to find a way of coming back and putting that back on the agenda. Um, we get this need for sustained investment in capacity building. So I think, again, what we see maybe in some countries is uh, uh, the initial excitement of hackathons, boot camps, other events that are really important to get that initial buzz, but that don't necessarily lead to that long-term capacity building. We look in the study at the availability of just computer science training or data-relevant training in countries, and that's a really important thing, to have the pipeline of people not only going into tech businesses, but also going into NGOs, CSOs, other businesses to use data in our countries building that capacity, and what support do they need for that, um, certainly through the Open Data in Developing Countries network that... Uh, we ran in parallel uh, to this. There were universities engaging in that project trying to explore how can they put this on their curriculum and build open data into the curriculum in Nigeria or in the Philippines and so on. Um, crucially, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to doing open data. We should be at a period of more experimentation, more exploring appropriate models for different countries. See some really exciting stuff happening uh, in India with uh, a commitment to visualising data being built in some of the Right to Information Act guidance. The Philippines, again, doing lots of experimentation with visualising their data, recognising literacy levels of populations, meaning if you want this to be truly open to all people, you need to think about what different forms of intermediation you need and where do you where do you where do you build this from? Uh, that point on city level open data initiatives and legal reforms being crucial uh, is also um, in there. Um, so, in a moment, we'll pause and just take some of those questions, some that have already come up, and other questions you've got, and also your thoughts and reflections because this two-year project has been not only. Uh, a chance to generate something that stimulates debate about open data, but also a chance to explore methods. How do we measure open data performance? Can we improve that progressively? Um, and crucially, part of that for us is sharing all the data, all the methodology, all the tools openly and encouraging people to reuse them. Uh, over the last year from the 2013 data, we had a number of students and others reuse and write uh, secondary analysis, and those really fed into our thinking for 2014. I think the hope very much is that people will take this data, explore it, do things with it, um, to critique it, to explore what else can we link it to, how can we improve uh, in future. So on the uh, opendatabarometer.org under the About tab, you'll find the Get the Data section. Uh, there you will find the research handbooks that give all the details that our researchers had so you can see the questions they were asked and, and how to uh, what, what guidance they were given to answer them. Uh, you will find quantitative data that drives all the visualizations, drives the analysis that you can take, and we've tried to structure that in as friendly a way as possible. There's a file with all the indicators and their definitions there. Crucially, this year, you will also find all of the qualitative data. So we tried really hard 
to make sure whenever anyone answers one of those questions on to what extent is there an initiative in this country, they're providing us with links to policy documents, they're providing us with other resources. When they're answering on data sets, they're declaring what data set it is, where it is, which agency <coughs> is responsible, why it's not available. Um, we only had a very short period of time to really dig into that. Again, in there there's questions on impact with stories of impact. We've only scratched the surface of that data and so really keen to see people kind of dig into that more and explore it and uh, very happy to kind of interact with people to, to explain it because that may not be instantly straightforward uh, to interpret and again happy to do that. Uh, and for those, uh, I think I was challenged by Ulrich Atz here to make sure the R scripts uh, that we used to generate all this were open as well. So we've got all the stats scripts that generate the analysis uh, there as well on GitHub and, and linked to. So uh, yeah, most of all, this is a plea to, 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 to engage critique, explore the data um, more. I'd be also keen to get your questions, thoughts, reflections uh, in the 10, 15 minutes. Before. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.